Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Pillow Talk. I am Ashley sitting here with my lover. Hi, I'm Travis. <laughs> How is everybody this month? It feels like forever since we've done one of these. I, I know we have, but it feels like we haven't. Did yeah. we do one last month? I, God, I hope so. <laughs> I, I know that we look. did, but I can't remember what on earth we talked about. God damn, I got to check the postings now. <laughs> if we didn't, I'm sorry. It just feels like forever because we, we we actually got some questions this month. and We do. It feels like like one of the questions in particular is like, I remember when I got the message, but it feels like I got it forever ago. Those yeah. are going to be fun. I can't we wait may to be, do this. We may be bad podcasters. <laughs> What's worst is we can't remember if we uploaded an episode or not. <laughs> like that's the worst part. Well, so much of our time this month has just been focused on Friday the 13th. So it's just all kind of blurring. Yeah, kind of like. Friday the 13th movies, they tend to kind of blur after you watch them. Kind of like your vision right now. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's been a while since I did a What Am I Drinking While I podcast. But today I'm I'm going for a, it's a Huckleberry Haze. It's an India pale ale that we picked up at a restaurant. Uh, if you're ever in Texas, hunt down a lazy dog restaurant. I think they're up in Dallas-Fort Worth area. Yeah. Pretty much, there's more than one location. Yeah. This beer is... It's good. It's kind of fruity. We don't get paid to endorse Lazy Dog or their brewery, but damn, it's good. And it's 6.7% alcohol. It's powerful, yeah. <laughs> Powdered sugar. And they sell it in pints. That's the best part. It comes in pints? It comes in pints. <laughs> this month, Travis and I, we've watched a lot of movies. Like, it's it's summertime and I'm fixing to start school. He's working and our kids are gone. So we've just kind of hung out, watched some movies together, and gone to a few movies. Which we've, we've been to three. We've Yeah, but think about it. Before that, how many movies were we really going to? Because we had the kids and... Yeah, so I don't, I don't know what it looks like in the rest of the world, but I know that if you're going to go to a movie and you're going to have two adults and three kids, it's it gets expensive. expensive. Especially because everybody es- wants snacks. Especially if we don't... Snacks. <laughs> you know the cereal. Yeah. Snacks. Everybody wants some honey, honey smacks. <laughs> Especially if you don't smuggle in all your snacks and drinks in your purse. I'm telling you, you hit up a Dollar Tree. (laughs) It's fun for the whole family. But yeah, so we went and watched uh, what we did, the the new, uh, oh oh God, I almost said Doctor Who movie, (laughs) Doctor Strange. Um, We went and spent money to watch it just in time for it to show up on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, we're pretty dumb. We did a great job on that but <laughs> but and it was just all right yeah it, it like was i might okay. give spoilers away but i like there are plenty of other marvel entries that i like better than that one it was good it was fine there were things that i liked about it i did like um sam raimi's direction you could tell it was his direction there were just some things that happened that i wasn't particularly fond of but there were also things in it that i was actively cheering to so i uh it was it was a mixed bag for me i think I'm, so sam raimi always does a good job like whatever whatever he is whatever he directs i'm not going to say whatever he's involved in but if he directs the movie it's good typically i i like benedict cumberbatch he's a good actor mm-hmm. um i like the the olsen sister that's not a twin i can't remember her Elizabeth. name uh she does a good job i feel like she's a good actress i think i've decided i just don't care for dr strange the superhero much like that's what it is those movies just don't do it for me not a bad movie necessarily it's just not for me 
We also went and watched... Uh, Maverick. Maverick. Be Still My Heart. I just... <laughs> that may be my movie of the year. Like, I know that's a pretty bold statement to make in June, but I thoroughly fucking enjoyed it. Because here's the deal. I guess it's been months now where... No, not months, months, but a month or so when Kent asked us to review Jaws. And I'm like, oh, I've never seen Jaws. What happens? I watched Jaws and I'm like, my God, this is the best fucking movie I've ever seen. Well, another one of those that I kept hearing about on various other podcasts to listen to was Top Gun. And I was always like, huh, Tom you were, Cruise. you were not disappointed, were you? Because like, I, I just, the dude just has something. He just does. He has a certain charisma. The dude is like 60 years old, still doing his all, all of his own stunts. Like, he's a movie star for a reason. So while I don't necessarily like Tom Cruise, I absolutely love the fuck out of Maverick. <laughs> yeah, I feel really weird about saying that the best movie I've seen this year so far has Tom Cruise in it. Yeah, it's but wild. But damn, it was good. It was so good. I cried like three times. I don't like Miles Teller either, and I, and I liked him in that movie. But the other one that we've watched recently was Crimes of the Future, and we're going to talk about that one a little bit more. So before we get into any of that, we do, we're do we not doing a, a, like a formal spoiler warning necessarily, but... Mm, is there really anything to spoil in that movie? <laughs> not really. <laughs> Let's be fair. Not really. Not a lot. Um, but we are going to talk about several movies and there may be spoilers, so. Well, here's the thing. Enter at your own risk. We got a question from our friend Karima, who usually, normally gives us the really personal questions, and Travis always adores those. But she gave us one that was in celebration of the release of Crimes of the Future, to which I got really excited. Now, this was a movie I didn't think I was going to get to see at all, because the town that we're in, you get our, your main, what do you call it, your popular choices. You don't get your, your art house movies. There's no culture here. Okay, look, you're not just saying it. You just got to come around and say it. We don't get movies that offend the Baptists. <laughs> Facts, yo. We just don't. So, if Facts. you're to watch a movie like Cronenberg's, you got to go somewhere else. Exactly. We went to a theater up in the Metroplex that smelled like urine. Oh, it smelled like pee. It was so bad. Yeah, if you're ever in Arlington and you decide to go to the Parks Mall and go to their AMC, it smells like pee, at least in one of those rooms. Avoid it at all costs. But... This movie, I was so fucking excited to see, mostly because I read the article that said that people were walking out during the screening at the Cannes Film Festival, and there was stuff with child autopsies and sexy intestines, and I'm like messaging Travis over at Podmortem going, dude, 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 he's back, he's back. And I was like, I was so fucking excited for it to come out. Like, I applaud whoever enjoyed it. I'm so happy that you did. I walked away disappointed. In comparison to other films in Cronenberg's filmography, this one felt like a little bit of a letdown. I am happy that he is working in that genre again of body horror, but it just felt too tame for me. Like I was literally going in there mentally preparing myself to be sick, to have to close my eyes, and neither of those things happened. And we actually skipped to the concession stand because one, the line was long, and then two, we didn't want to miss anything. And at some point, Travis just gave up in the middle of the movie. He's like, you still want popcorn? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was over. Like, I, I think in my mind, I decided I can get up, go stand in that line for a good 20 minutes, and I'm not going to miss one damn thing while I'm gone. Uh you kind of didn't. I mean... <laughs> See? Validation. <laughs> it, it, it's not that it was a bad film by any means. It wasn't bad. It just, like I said, I, I, I think I overhyped it. it. It was definitely not what I expected. When you were saying that, like, hey, it's a new Cronenberg movie, there's going to be some body horror in it, I think I got all worked up for, like, The Fly. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I thought, all right, I'm going to take a puke bag 
and <laughs> I'm ready to go. Oh, this was but the one that you said. It just didn't. This was the one that you told me you might want to bring a blanket. And I was like, oh, right, I'm going to get cold. And you were like, no, to hide your murder boner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you didn't even get one of those. I didn't even get a semi. So, I mean, <laughs> like, I, not not even a twitch. <laughs> I don't want to ruin the movie for everybody. I mean, obviously, if you liked it, if then that's fantastic. It just, I think I had a certain expectation of what I was going to get. And then I didn't. But Same. I don't, to me, it's like two and a half hours of Vigo Mortensen just being old. Oh, that's not right. I'm not saying that he is old. I'm just saying he was acting old. Like it was just him kind of hobbling around like an old man for two and a half hours. Like when you get up for work in the morning? Every day. Yeah. (laughs) No. I I get out of bed like I've got a peg leg. (laughs) You don't understand. (laughs) But uh, yeah, it just didn't. I don't know, I went in like prepared to be grossed out with all the stuff you're telling me about people walking out of the movie and it's supposed to be so horrible. Oh my God. And then I was like, yeah, no, not so much. Well, I, I don't know. I, I feel like, and, and this is ultimately what's led to our subject of the month, which is basically art house films slash disturbing films and kind of where where we fall into some of those movies as far as likes, dislikes, uh, what has stuck with us, what is memorable. This, that just wasn't one of them for me. But we have done our homework this week, this month rather, watching in preparation for Crimes of the Future. We went back and we watched some Cronenberg films. You saw one that you hadn't seen before, which I had, we had to watch separately from each other because I'm horribly embarrassed. Well, so after, so I watched Crash. Mm-hmm. But I, as I was watching it, I thought, I've seen this before. Maybe I saw an edited version or something of it, but this feels really familiar. There was a time, and I think this was way back when we were like first married, when you had what Dish Network or DirecTV and IFC still played movies. It was before they started with all the Portlandia and playing reruns of Malcolm in the Middle and all that shit. When they they showed those really fucked up movies, and sometimes you'd you'd have to stay awake till like four o'clock in the morning to catch the really good ones. And a couple of those I'm going to bring up here, but there were certain films there that IFC was the only place you. You could see them. Some of these movies are legitimately hard to track down. I'm a little guilty of going in some subreddits <laughs> this past month <laughs> to try to track down certain films just so I can mark it off the list, see what they're about. Morbid curiosity. I think something that happens particularly with horror fans, I, can, I can't speak for all of us, but I know with some of us, me in particular, you get to a point where you get kind of jaded on the whole thing, especially when you tend to watch the same films over and over and over the way I tend to do. Yeah, I know. I know. Nod your head at me. (laughs) Call me out. That you tend to want to push it to that next level. Okay, what can I watch that might scare me a little bit more, might shock me a little bit more, might make me feel anything a little bit more? And we compiled for you guys a few directors to talk about some of their films. So, who do we want to start with? Um, let me see. Let me consult my list. <laughs> so, the one I've got at the top is Greg Araki, because that's yes. the first one yes. that I watched. Not necessarily because they were the best or the worst or the whatever, it's just that was the first one I wrote down. You had me watch The Doom Generation, Nowhere, yes. and Mysterious Skin, which I, I didn't finish Mysterious Skin. I think I fell asleep. You should at some point. But, uh, yeah, I watched The Doom Generation and Nowhere in their entirety, and... I've got mixed feelings about those, both of them. 
proceed. I f- they didn't. I mean, they had. I think they both had some blood in them, and they had sex in them. Nothing in there really shocked me. I think. Really. I, th- I think they both had potential, but everything in those movies uh, was so highly stylized. Like we got to make it artistic so much mm-hmm. that I feel like it took away, like it reduced the impact of some of what you were seeing on screen. Okay. So, because like um, in nowhere, I, I don't. Is there any scene in nowhere oh. that's not shot? Hold up. With a filter on the lens. Hold up. If you guys haven't seen any of the films that we're about to talk about, obviously, huge spoiler warning. If you don't, if you're like, I'm not really into that, uh, quote, spooky stuff, as Spooky Rice would say, turn away now or you can hear about them from us and then decide, okay, yeah, that's not for me. Or it may intrigue you enough to seek them out for yourself. So, but just going forward, know that there's spoilers. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not saying that there wouldn't be maybe some disturbing content in those movies. Um, I feel like Mysterious Skin is the most serious of the three. Yes. It tackles the most serious, most, probably most disturbing subject matter, period. Yes. But the other two, I, I just, I feel like they spent so much time making it artsy that it's just, it reduced the quality of the content to me. I, I don't know. It took, it took, they lost all their shock value. When you put a blue lens on and it's a green <laughs> lens and then it's a red lens. And, and I'll be honest with you, uh, clearly Rose McGowan, this was very early in her career and her acting was not exactly top notch. And of course, James Duvall plays James Duvall. Um, he, you better stop. I'm trying to be kind, <laughs> but I mean, he does the, he's basically Ted from Bill and Ted <laughs> in both of those movies. You better stop. Yeah. But he is. I mean, can do you disagree that he's kind of that stoner surfer? <laughs> yes, I will agree. Guy in both. And when it gets to me by turn, I will have but, my own yeah, opinion. I don't know. I, I can see why people would not like those movies, but I didn't yeah. find anything scary or disturbing about those first two. Mysterious Skin, yeah, that one's a little harder. What do you think? So right now, Greg Rocky films are my flavor of the month, <laughs> as Travis would call it. I, James Duvall is my flavor of the month as well. I am absolutely obsessed with the Doom Generation in Nowhere, in particular out of his catalog. Um, if you can ever see Mysterious Skin, yes, it is very, very disturbing. It's it's the, one of the saddest fucking movies I've ever seen in my life. But it's also beautiful, too. I, I don't know how to describe that. It, it touches on something. And that's what I was going to say about Greg Rocky films in general. I feel like he touches on a certain mood, a certain emotion, a certain aesthetic that I personally relate to. And when I told him, you how I felt you kind of looked at me like well gee thanks but it's really nothing to do with you it's maybe it's the state of the world that we're living in right now because let's be real the world fucking sucks right now with everything going on especially with what's happened this week with Roe versus Wade getting overturned the the shootings in Nivaldi it's yeah things are pretty fucking grim right now and while Travis is more Gen X than I am he's he's kind of teetering on that line between Gen X and Millennial, whereas I've just missed Gen X by a few years, but I was a kid in the 90s long enough. Well, a lot, all of it. So I still, I was a teenager in the 90s. So some of these things I have experienced, I have lived through, some of the moods and feelings discussed are things that I have felt in my own heart. So he captures just the nihilism and the apathy that I feel like you just get to a point in your life where you're like, I'm completely fucked. Like, it's just, and they're not, they're not meant to put on, they're not feel-good films. You don't put them on to be like, yay, I'm gonna have a great time. Although, to be fair, it is trippy and fun as hell to watch Nowhere just because it's like, 
a 90s time capsule explodes in your face, especially with the ensemble cast that it has. That's fun. That's like a Where's Waldo of ooh, 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 ooh. So that's pretty fun by itself. But I, you're talking about James Duvall, besides Greg Rocky films, Donnie Darko being one of my favorite films of all time, him playing Frank the Bunny. He, he captures a mood to me. Yes, you can say that he does do the Ted thing, but he also pulls this thing out where it's like he's a dreamer he's very oh what's the word I'm looking for I don't know the the word escapes me at the moment but he's lonely you know he just he just wants he has a common theme in the teenage apocalypse trilogy of he just wants to find somebody to connect with he he lacks that connection and that's what ends up making the doom generation and nowhere such a tragic tragic films for his characters in particular plus they have the most oh the scores are a mood or not scores, the soundtracks are a mood themselves. Like I have picked up a lot of great music this month just because of watching those films. So I, like I said, neither of those doom generation and nowhere just didn't speak to me. I, so I, I was a teenager in the nineties. So, I mean, I would have been the age that they are portraying in those two movies. I can't relate to anything they show. And I think that it's just kind of off-putting when they're like, well, this is this is how it was, or this is how kids were then. Like, nah, because I was one, and this is not it. Maybe that's how they were in California when this <laughs> where it was shot, because I think that's when it, where it's supposed to take place. Maybe things were dramatically different. I don't know. Um, well, I'd but to say bring up two you other probably movies that are not, dealt with your angst in a different way. <laughs> yeah, but to bring up two movies that are not necessarily on our list but I feel like are a lot more disturbing than those two. Kids and Bully. Oh, Jesus. And Jesus I don't know Christ. that you planned on talking about those. I don't know if they're the same director. I don't know who the director is. Uh, Larry Clark is the director of those. But both of those movies are just a lot more realistic. There's nothing artsy about them. They're just raw and dirty. Yeah. Kind of. Not dirty like porn dirty, but they, I mean, I have a couple of scenes, but. Well, uh, what I was going to say is where you feel like the teens in Greg Rocky's movies are hyper, hyper stylized. I feel like the teens in Larry Clark's film films are disturbingly real like these are people I was friends with these were people I went to school with these were people that I knew and I think that's what makes those movies more impactful is because like everybody knows a telly yeah everybody knows a Casper like you might not have been friends with him but you see him on screen you're like I fucking knew that guy yeah or somebody like him yeah and, and it makes it even more fucked up when you have kids and you're like oh my god like I don't I'm, I'm just gonna strap them to their beds yeah, there's some little bastard just like that running around out there right now <laughs> and you stay away from my daughter yeah but and i so i think that the the larry clark films which portray similar subject matter but in a completely different way i mean i guess they're both kind of dealing with teen angst in the 90s i feel like his are a lot more emotional or they generate a much more visceral emotional response than iraqis just because clark's not trying to hide anything behind a filter or a soundtrack or pseudo clever dialogue it's, it's just disturbingly like, in your face here's kids drinking smoking weed and getting their fuck on yeah and i don't know how he got away with that because some of those kids God almighty. like there's a scene with three boys sitting on the couch smoking it doesn't even matter what they were smoking those boys were clearly minors smoking something mm-hmm. like whether it was a cigarette marijuana whatever so there were some scenes in there that i don't know how he got away with it there were there were a couple of girls that telly had sex with or simulated sex with that looked like they were 12 13 years old and i'm like how the fuck did this guy get away with this shit like how was he not brought up on charges for child pornography like i don't get it like i feel like 
there's a lot of us that have seen kids at the very, very least. Because for me, the first time I saw kids was in the eighth grade, which like, it was Jesus Christ, actually, eighth grade. It was one of those dare movies. Like the way you talk about Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, like I dare you to watch this film. It's so fucked up. This is that same film where it went around in, in the circles in middle school and high school and everybody's like, oh my God, have you seen this movie? And of course we all thought it was funny as fuck because we were all the same age, you know? These were these, this was us. We were watching us on film. And to look at it now, I'm like, oh my God, like it makes me uncomfortable to watch it now. I actually, I have, I have not watched that movie in a lot of fucking years. I reversed myself on uh, Spooky Rice's channel to refresh my memory. Yeah, but I feel like his movies capture just sort of the attitude of ki how kids were then and they may mm -hmm. still be now. Sort of some desperation there, which mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, I, had, I, had to I, go. I don't want to get too far into it. I guess I'd say really the difference is, is that with the Rockies movies, you watch it and you get done and you're like, I, I don't know exactly what I watched just now. It's, who wants Taco Bell? With Clarks, you get done and it's like, I, I need a shower now. <laughs> well, one that I watched that I kind of advised you against watching was one of his films called Ken Park. And this was one I could not find anywhere. I had to find it on a subreddit. It's kids turned up to 11. Like it's worse if you can imagine that. I thought kids was already at 11. Well, it's, it's more 11. It's 22. It's 44. <laughs> this is Spinal Tap. It's 99. <laughs> It's, oh man, man alive. If, if kids makes you uncomfortable, then Ken Park is. Yeah, no, I think I'll skip it. Maybe make your head spin all the way around. And speaking of turning your head all the way around, goddamn, Lars von Trier. Why don't we talk about that guy for a minute? Do we have to talk about that guy for a minute? <laughs> so when you bring him up, there's only two movies that immediately come to mind, and that's The House That Jack Built, which is just kind of an acid trip. I mean, it's... It's not really. It's a pretty straightforward story, sort of. It feels in the same vein as American Psycho almost. Except sometimes it's hard to tell what's in his head and what's really happening. Right. And Antichrist, which I'll oh. never which I'll never watch again. Oh man alive. That's another one that when you get done you need a shower. Oh. And a Valium it, or it something. Kind of makes you look at your your life partner differently too. <laughs> yeah, it makes me want to keep you away from the firewood. <laughs> yeah. No millstones in your Yeah, future. millstones. Why don't you take over on this one? Because I think you've seen... Because he also did, what, Nymphomaniac? Yes. Like one, two, and Shia LaBeouf? <laughs> Whichever one, one two. he was there, in. There's only one and two. And then uh, the only other one I can think of right off the top of my head is Melancholia. How funny would it be if he made a movie where Shia LaBeouf was a cannibal? I believe someone's already done that. Yeah, but it would be more fucked up if <laughs> Von Trier got hold of it. Right. So I think the first Von Trier movie I actually saw was Antichrist. And then after I watched that, I was like, I, I'm fucked up, guys. I am. I was like, I got to see what else he's got. Oh, man, Antichrist. What do you say about a movie like that? I don't know. I, I stayed pissed off at Willem Dafoe, I think, for most of that movie. Uh, that, that's fair. Because, well, maybe not for the reason that you were pissed off. Like, I feel like he, as a therapist, he was trying to help his wife. But at the same time, I was like, dude, she's crazy. She's going to hurt you. You should run. Like, run and don't look back. He put up with a lot more shit than I would have, for sure. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I just, man, and that, that lady, I don't know her name. Charlotte she's, Gainsbourg. She's in all of his movies. She's a hell of an actress. Oh, God, yes. But I, she, I'm she's, just going to stop amazing. there. She's a great actress. But the shit she does on screen is just fucked up. In every 
I, I think uh, Melancholia was probably her most normal role she's ever had. <laughs> and that movie doesn't even make sense. Like, is there really a story there? Yes. It's just a bunch of really dramatic, artsy shots. No. It's supposed to be like the end of the world yes. happening or something. I don't know. It's, it's basically just this journey through one woman's depression and knowing that the world's going to come to an end and while everybody's freaking out, she's kind of embracing it. So it's it's... Say what you will about the subject matter, the content. Uh, Lars von Trier is a person because he's kind of fucked up. But um, those films are beautifully shot. Every single one of them are beautifully shot. Um, the cinematography in his films is just outstanding. I don't feel like all of his films are necessarily horror films. I, I, I know that they're definitely art house films for sure. But there is some horrific shit to be found in every single one of them. Yeah, I would say that, um, I guess thinking about Melancholia, I don't know so much about Nymphomaniac 1 and 2. I did watch both of those oh, with you. Oh, Jesus. Those but, movies are fucking graphic as but fuck. I would, yeah, absolutely. But I would say that as far as House at Jack Built, Antichrist, and Melancholia. Like, if, you, if you're not con- really concerned as much about content, but you want, I, I hesitate to say, a master class in how to frame a shot, he's good. He's absolutely good. From the art standpoint, getting a good, impactful shot. Even if it doesn't make any sense and you have no idea what the fuck is going on in the frame, he makes them beautiful. He's really good at that. And really interesting camera work. His movies just don't make a hell of a lot of sense most of the time to me. And not since David Lynch has anybody used the band Rammstein to perfection because we were sitting and we started Nymphomaniac Volume 1 and at the first frame they're playing Rammstein's Führer Misch. Oh, fucking eargasm. Like, it's such a great song. So amazing. I, I I don't think I've ever talked about my love of Rammstein on here, but yes, they're like one of my top five bands of all time. He does everything so well. And like Clark, Larry Clark, in the same way, he there are certain scenes in Melancholia that are just so up close and personal that you feel... I mean, there's a lot of... I mean, Nymphomaniac, there's obviously a lot of graphic and gratuitous sex throughout, but not in a way that's going to get you off in a way that you're just cringing. Like, I can't watch this. Like, it's it's making me very uncomfortable. Yeah, I don't I don't remember enough about Nymphomaniac really to speak to either of those movies, but I can on Antichrist. He, there is a lot of, lot of sex, a lot of sex. Willem Dafoe is fully exposed. No, he actually used a body double. Did he really? Yes, we okay, did not well, his, see his goblin dick. <laughs> his, his body double was full. Fully exposed. <laughs> and there's absolutely nothing erotic about it. No, not in it any is, way. It just makes you uncomfortable. It's like you're watching, you're seeing something that you shouldn't see. It... I don't know. And some people probably would agree that we shouldn't be seeing that anyway. But it's, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't have any words now. <laughs> Are I you broken? I, I don't have, I don't have words for it, how it <laughs> makes you feel. But you do get an emotional reaction from it. And it's not attraction or arousal right. when you see it. Right. Um, I believe there's, there's a scene, there's a lot of genital mutilation that happens throughout, ac- across his films also. There's a scene in Infomaniac where Charlotte Gainsbourg's character basically gives herself an abortion. And it's, Oh man, is it fucked up? It. I think. I don't think I watched that scene. I think I had to turn away from it because they went there, like they showed it. Um, same thing in Antichrist. There's a lot of fucking general mutilation in those, and same thing. I cannot watch them. I have to turn my head. Yeah. That, that those hit me very close to where I live in a very special place. Yeah, and I, if I remember correctly, he uses practical effects in all these. So no. I, I don't. I'm trying to remember, were there any movies that we watched of his where, like, a digital effect stood out? And I just can't think of one. Uh, 
I think if he was going to use digital effects, it would be an Antichrist, and it's probably all the animal stuff. The three right. beggars. Right, like when the fox mm-hmm. speaks. But the up-close-and-dirty stuff, oh. all practical effects, and they are... Graphic. They're, they're high-quality practical effects. Yeah, yeah, they're they're way too realistic. So, having said that, for anyone out there who's listening that has not watched a Von Trier movie, and I would go even so far as to say any Von Trier movie, uh, if you're thinking, hey, they're talking about it, I gotta go check this shit out. I strongly encourage you to maybe look up some YouTube videos. Uh, Spooky Rice, good content creator on YouTube, does some reviews. Maybe you don't watch the whole video, but get some kind of idea of what you're going to be getting yourself into before you spend money to watch one of these films. Because they are extreme and it's and some of these specifically antichrist has got content in there that is absolutely not for everyone and i can see i don't did that one even go to theaters i don't know i i can see where that one wouldn't because i don't it's not even r-rated i can is see it nc-17 or I, x or an unrated i don't know i don't know i could see that probably being a film festival movie but if you've but got to know it to theaters yeah that one specifically if you've got a weak stomach that that movie's not for you and please don't get mad at us we're just we're just discussing what we've done this month. Yeah, this is your warning before you go watch a Lars von Schur movie. Like, don't be like they're rough. Fuck you guys! You made me watch this. No, we're not yeah. making you. <laughs> no, we're not. I'm I'm giving you some some sound advice here. Anyway, talking about special effects, we went from really good practical effects. Our next director, sort of a mixed bag. He's hit and miss. <laughs> so we're talking about Takashi Miike. So now we're kind of getting into what K horror. Or is it J-horror? Uh, I, I think his is, which, I think his, he's Japanese. Um, but the one specifically I'm talking about is Ichi the Killer. Now, Ichi the Killer is a movie that you won't watch again. No, I won't. I, I will suggest it to anybody who loves Asian Extreme. I will say that absolutely is a must watch if you're a fan of that genre. Yeah, but not for the effects because he's got that movie specifically. <laughs> so he did audition, uh, which is fine. It's, it's not fine. It's fucked up. I, I'm just going to say I fucking love audition. But from an effects standpoint... Practical effects, it's good. Top notch. Ichi the Killer, it's they use digital effects, and some of them are just god awful. They do do some practical effects, which are good, and it, they are it, effective. It look, you could have done that shit on an original Nintendo. <laughs> they probably did do those effects on a Nintendo. I don't know, but Ichi the Killer gets some really rough content. Yes, in it. it does. Uh, specifically, we're talking about rape uh, and torture, uh, torture, assault. Lots of murder. Lots buckets of spooge. And buckets and buckets of blood and probably several buckets of semen. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, the, he, he, he covered all the bases. Yes. Really. Um, and believe it or not, it actually has some moments in it that are Sad. funny and oh, sad yeah i'm thinking specifically about the guy in the tv like they've stuffed him in an old console tv <laughs> and he's just like he's chilling in there yeah, that was kind of funny and it's a little funny it probably shouldn't be i'm sure it says <laughs> something about me that i think that it was a little entertaining that he was so like yeah fuck it i'm in a tv <laughs> but it's got some pretty disturbing shit in there that yes. is really tough to watch it, yeah it's it's one that i won't watch again even though again i love audition Audition's i just great. want to point out to all the listeners that it's if ashley won't watch it again that's saying something yeah that's because you'll watch nearly fair. anything at least twice and you watched that one one time and said i'm not i'm never going to watch that movie again. yeah there's more genital or not genital there's more well could nipples be considered hap- i was thinking well, of a scene in particular where a chick gets her nipples sliced off yeah that was that was particularly rough for yeah. me 
Audition is actually a really sad story. Yes, it is. But damn, the effects they have in that movie, the content, that one makes me cringe. There are points, parts of that movie that it's it's hard for me to watch. Right. And, and it's a movie that actually, especially in the times we're living in now, where I feel like it is still completely relevant. Well, and I think one of the big things maybe it's a big thing for me, is that you get to the end of that movie, I don't feel bad for that guy. By the time you get the whole story, you don't, the person that you think is the victim the whole time, you don't feel bad for him at all. Well, even as a woman, I did kind of question, did the punishment really fit the crime? Because yes, he did something really assholish, but the in, the intentions were good, but you know what they say about good intentions, so. Yeah, but I guess I'm thinking, if you look at the guy's track record, he'd done that a lot. Yeah, that's true. Without, that's true. Without us giving away a whole bunch of the movie, this guy, he was taking advantage of women. Yes. And he took advantage of the wrong abusing, one. Abusing his power. And she didn't put up with his bull chip. She came back and got him. And man alive, that Goddamn actress. Goddamn, did she get him. That actress is fucking phenomenal. She is, from this kind of meek, timid girl, there's a monster in there. And it's the most amazing thing ever so i just i'm just curious if she was single when this movie came out how hard do you think it was for her to get a date after that i bet some guys were a little standoff because i'll tell you the acting was really good in that movie she sold it i've just got one thing to say just stop (laughs) yeah yeah, that, but those are the two standout uh, Mike movies. Now, he did another one called Gozu. I watched it. I didn't. About 100 years ago. It's kind of a gangster movie. It's not, not really 100 years ago, but it didn't stick with me. I think there's a lot of bodily fluids in that movie, <laughs> but it did not. There's nothing in there that really jumped out at me as being really shocking. I don't, maybe I need to find it and watch it again because he's usually pretty intense with his stuff. Yeah. But anyway, that is the end of my list. That's the end of your list. Yeah, it's all the ones I wrote down. <laughs> What else you got? So I think at this point, I mean, there's there's other films out there that you could kind of bring into this kind of thing we're talking about as far as disturbing goes. I know there's probably some people that would throw Tom Six in the, into the mix. We're not going to, I don't feel like he deserves that credit. Well, you, you never go ask him out. <laughs> but um, we got to give some love to the granddaddies of Art House slash disturbing films. All right. So in this episode of Friday Night Fights... <laughs> We've got David Cronenberg versus David Lynch. Uh, the battle of the two Davids. The battle of the hair. <laughs> um, you know what my answer is. I know what your answer is. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I I mean, Cronenberg, he did what? He did Videodrome, which is sort of, I don't say it. I wouldn't say that it began body horror, but it's kind of. Well, Videodrome's the, not his first film, though. Well, I realize that, but it's just, damn. He, he took the body horror to 11 yeah. in that one. Um, and he, you know, it's not a bad movie. It's a confusing movie. Mm-hmm. It is artsy. I mean, I know there's a story there, but you have to really be watching to keep up with what, well, what's real. What is he imagining? It says a lot for actually the subject we're talking today, which is people being desensitized to the amounts of violence that we watch on TV and film. He basically finds a TV channel that is snuff films. Yeah. And he's attracted to it. And sadly, I, I feel like if that was a thing now, people would watch it. We don't have to. It's a, it's in our everyday news. Put it on Channel 4. Just watch the news. Um, the Fly would be the next one. Like if we're, if we're talking about Cronenberg's heavy hitters, The Fly has definitely got to be number one. And of course, and we've covered it on... We have talked about that one. So everybody, we both love that movie. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, the practical effects, the acting. I just, there's nothing really bad about that movie. Um, Scanners. 
is another one that that was like the first head explosion that really stood out in that big mind meld that happens at the end of the film. It's it's a lot. I think I've only seen that movie once. I, I love Scanners so much. Not for any reason other than that I just haven't watched it more than once it wasn't necessarily scary or grossed me out i just i think i only saw it the one time and then he's he's got some tamer fare in there there's obviously the dead zone with uh, stephen king adaptation adaptation that was really well done and even it had some pretty disturbing moments in it not it was it was low on the body horror element but still a disturbing film in its own right wasn't rabid his i have only seen the remake of rabid i feel bad about that yeah shivers is another great example of his early work a very very disturbing film also but yeah we i think we've pretty well covered all of his the bases he did go back to a period where his films were a lot tamer but one in there and I think you've already brought it up, is Crash. I actually had to order this movie. It was the Criterion Edition. I had to order it because there's no streaming this movie. This this was one, like the Doom Generation, like Nowhere, that I caught on IFC. It was not one that, it, it like, again, you cannot find it anywhere, no matter how hard you try. Now, again, I had to watch this movie separately from you. So why don't you tell the fine five folks what you thought about it? Okay. So, David Spader has one expression through the whole movie. His wife has one expression through the whole movie. Casey Jones has abandoned the Ninja Turtles, and now he reenacts car crashes. No. Um, it's a good movie. It's well shot. Um, I thought you hated it. No, I didn't hate it. It's got a lot of eroticism in it that is, again, not sensual at all. It's just sort of, you feel dirty watching it, sort of. It's just really uncomfortable. Um I feel like I do feel like Spader and I can't remember the other act, the actress's name. Deborah Kara well. Unger. I just feel Holly like Hunter. there was no evolution of those characters really. Nothing dramatic changed from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie. But there was some extreme shit that happens in the movie that specifically involves them. And maybe maybe you could say that the the end of the movie there's kind of a payoff there, but I just didn't feel it um, necessarily. I feel like really the person that stole the show was Elias Cateus. Yes, absolutely. I want to say he's an underrated actor. He's been in a lot of shit. Maybe he's not underrated, but he he was channeling Travis Bickle in this movie. I saw him in a way different light than I was used to. I would tell you that if they were ever remake Taxi Driver, that's the guy they needed to get. He was. When he was younger. I mean, I I think he's too old to do that character now, but. He's absolutely incredible in that film. Like I said, when you're coming from Casey Jones or uh, the stupid, stupid, doofy brother and Look Who's Talking To, this completely floored me because that those were the only two movies I'd ever seen him in. So when I saw him in this, I actually was reading some of the reviews for Crash and somebody credited Elias Coteus as their sexual awakening. Yeah, <laughs> if that tells well, you anything. I don't know about that. <laughs> But I would say that I would I would encourage anyone to watch this movie just to see his performance in this movie. He's he fucking takes, creepy. He takes you places. Yeah. Like, you feel bad for him. He gets scary in a couple of places. I mean, at the end, you almost feel bad for him after, when he dies. Sorry, spoilers. We but, warned you. Um, there's even a couple moments where you, you, you're almost ready to jump on the wagon with him. I mean, he he's a... He, it's like, great actor. It's I like the very Alice in Wonderland thing of I, him leading us down the rabbit hole. I didn't realize how good he was, I think, mm-hmm. as an actor until I watched that movie. Um, it's definitely worth a watch. But I, don't, I would say it's bloody, but it's really not that mm, bloody. Not really. There, there's it's still just some body a, horror in there, but it's very dialed back. It's really just a lot of fucking. 
Fucking car crashes. Yeah. But yeah, I would watch that movie just for Alaska taste. Having said that, I I got done with that movie and I felt like I needed to go bleach myself. (laughs) I did. It's not a movie I would want to watch again, but I'm glad that I did watch it. I have seen it several times. I actually really, really love the movie. Um, I think it speaks for, because the, the core of the story is a man and woman's marriage. And I think it speaks a lot for communication between partners and how once you're together for a certain time period, you know, some of that fire does die a little bit and it just kind of explores their relationship with each other. And I, yeah, it, I think it's a great movie. And I actually think it says a lot, but I will not go into that because we've only got so much time. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but yeah, that's one that I, I would encourage people to watch if you can find it. What about you? Oh, absolutely. So, absolutely recommend it. So one movie that we have not seen that Cronenberg did that you can't find anywhere that we both really want to watch. Now, we may regret this decision and we understand that. But your homework is to find us Naked Lunch. Where can we watch it? Yeah. Like, that's it. Minions, that's your homework. Find it. <laughs> your mission, somewhere. should you choose to accept it. <laughs> right. Because that's another one that's supposed to be pretty out there. Pretty yes. extreme. Yes. Extreme enough that you can't find it anywhere. It's not on YouTube. You can't stream it. You can't stream it anywhere that we can find. You can't, can't even buy it. order it from anywhere. Yeah. God damn, we may have to find like a VHS in a different language and go buy a VCR. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I have to but, go through the... The trenches of subreddit again <laughs> maybe but that's one that i would like to watch just i don't know i don't know why i want to watch it i'll regret it i know i will mm-hmm. like i'll watch it and make god damn why did i why did i do that but he's got a lot of other stuff like history of violence i've never watched he, he kind of got out of the the body horror area um but yeah that that's kind of it but again he's sort of one of the granddaddies of body horror I absolutely wholehearted so. degree. And before we go into David Lynch, I, I want to give a couple of honorable mentions. Uh, speaking of Cronenberg, his son, Gr- Brandon Cronenberg. Oh, man, if you haven't seen Possessor, I would absolutely encourage you to watch that film. So, so amazing. I I thoroughly enjoyed it very, very much. I, I can't believe I'm remiss to, and, and maybe it's just because his films are a little bit more mainstream, but Clive Barker is absolutely has to be thrown in there for Master of Body Horror as well. He is definitely in print, um, and I'm, I'm going to reference him later probably mm-hmm. i think but i don't i watch nightbreed is the one that comes to mind nightbreed would have been a perfect cronenberg movie right clive barker writing cronenberg directing instead he starred in the movie well not starred but he was an actor in the movie he was the antagonist and i don't know we, we've covered that movie before and now that i've seen more cronenberg than i had when we did the review the first time it makes me wonder what would that movie have been written by clive barker directed by david cronenberg it might have been some scary shit yeah or disturbing at the very least. And last honorable mention has to go to the film Tetsuo the Iron Man. That movie is actually directed by, I'm going to try to get the name right, Shinya Sukamoto. Now, he has done a lot of stuff, but specifically uh, the ones that we've seen, I guess. He did Tetsuo the Iron Man and he did Tetsuo the Bullet Man. Now, I've seen both of those. Uh, he also did, was it Tetsuo, Bo- Tetsuo Body Hammer? I never watched that. I one. did. I did. But um, not this as seems... fucked up as Iron Man, but still, yeah. Looking at his body of work, that seems to be kind of his thing. And we may have to explore more of his work but if cyberpunk horror were a thing those would absolutely fit the bill yeah if you've never seen tetsuo the iron man you i want to say you should go watch it (laughs) 
<laughs> it's an acid trip of a movie. Oh, and yes. And it's hard to stick with. Um, it's all I black and white. I don't think it's hard to stick it, with. Isn't it? It's all black and white? Yes, it is. Uh, well, I mean, the story. They definitely do not lay the story out for you. You've got to be paying attention. Um, what very little bit of dialogue is in it is subtitled. And I don't know, this might be one that's hard to find now, too. Um, no, actually, that's on Shutter. Is it? Yeah, so. uh, Joe Bob covered it, actually. Okay. No, it's just, it's really out there. And it, it deals with, it's just body horror, mm -hmm. really. I mean... There's one scene in there. It's not rape. It's suicide, technically. Suicide on a robot penis, but <laughs> still suicide. But it's it's worth a, a watch. A real penis. <laughs> and Tetsuo the Bullet Man is another one that's kind of out there. But if you're into that sort of thing, just really extreme. Uh, lots of bullets, lots of blood, lots of weird shit. That, that'll probably scratch that itch for you. <laughs> But yeah, we wanted to give him an honorable mention before we move on to the granddaddy of them all. The master of weird, fucking confusing ass movies. <laughs> and he doesn't care whether you understand it or not. Whatever you think it is. Yeah, sure, buddy. That's what it is. You actually. <laughs> <laughs> what? I can hear you perfectly. I'm going to write an epic poem about we, this. We pie. always, we, we, as soon as Lynch comes up, we always go into Twin Peaks mode. Uh, and I don't know why. Because Twin Peaks is quite possibly the best TV show ever. Okay. I'm going to disagree with you there a little bit. Season one, great. Season two, Lynch was out, right? He, well, he wasn't out completely. He just had less involvement with it in in my humble opinion you could tell agree i'm not saying anything i'm not saying that the guy who ran it did a bad job but lynch's absence was felt in that season but the flip side of that is you get more of david lynch as an actor in season two which homes some of my most cherished gordon cole scenes i, of I don't all understand time. why the fuck he didn't do more acting <laughs> he's, he's wonderful he's hilarious he is is what he is he's just the god damn his, and his timing is great i think i think season two of that show was where i effectively fell in love with him and was like i don't give a fuck how old he is <laughs> like i i love this man yeah. like absolutely so you start with his movies oh my gosh I think you, the very... you know the full body. I think I've seen a lot of them, but I don't. I can't name them. Okay, <laughs> put me on the spot here. Like, call me out. And You're welcome. Like, I well, you were a fan. Actually, you can start with Lost Highway. Well, I was gonna say Lost Highway is the first film of his I ever saw, and that was one of those because Travis and I, growing up being metalheads, we had the Lost Highway soundtrack come out, and we were all about Nine Inch Nails again, Rammstein, and. It became one of those movies, like, I got to see where this comes from. I, I came for Nine Inch Nails. I stayed for Rammstein. Oh, And I'm just going to tell you, that made my dick hard. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm admitting that. Oh, but that, Rammstein that kicks off with Rammstein. That, that scene where Bill Pullman's walking Damn. down the hallway of that hotel and Rammstein's going, yes, my, my dick is hard and I don't have a dick, so... <laughs> <laughs> it's bonerific. But and that, Bill Pullman was a badass. Can we just say that? <laughs> yeah. And it's not a horror movie. There's not a lot of blood and guts or anything in that movie. But there is some, I guess, disturbing imagery in that movie. Um, there's one character in particular that's... Is he the devil? I, I don't know. Like, he could be. I don't know. But that guy murdered his wife in real life, so... Did he really? fucking creepy in my book. Yeah. Wow. I did not know that. Um, but Lost Highway is worth watching. 
Oh, just God, yes. Watch it for the soundtrack. Watch it for Bill Pullman. Watch it for What's Her Butt Arquette. Oh, um, be still my heart. Goddamn, she was fucking amazing in that film. She was. It's And the, the story itself, you've got to be paying attention. As I would go so far as to say, if you haven't seen it, you're going to need to probably watch it twice. Unless you're, you may be way smarter than me. Maybe I had to watch it twice to get it just because I'm not real smart. I but. finally got the grasp on it. But again, time constraints. But I finally do understand it. And you know what the crazy thing is? If you went to David Lynch and said, I understand this movie, he would go, yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> That's true. Sure. That's very true. If that's what you think it is, then go for it. Good on you. <laughs> that's absolutely um, true. But he, he's he's done some really interesting stuff. Um, I guess we can go ahead and jump to Eraserhead because that's oh. the most, that's the earliest one. Now, that's just a mind fuck of a movie. Yes. And you almost, I don't know. I would say you almost have to have someone explain it to you. He finally came out and said in an interview, what, that it was his fear of fatherhood? Yes. That's what that movie was actually about? That's the most he's ever given us about any film he's ever done. <laughs> but I think his, that was the entire explanation, because he, he just doesn't give a shit. There are scenes... And in, I love that about him, by the way. Yes. Which, if we're going to talk about giving a master class in shooting a movie, Lynch can make some beautiful shots. He can Absolutely. also make some deeply soul-rattling disturbing shots yeah i don't know how to put it it's not haunting necessarily it's just unsettling maybe that's a better word what do you think i would say i would argue that one of his most disturbing films though has got to be twin peaks Firewalk with me now a lot of people were upset about this film because they were expecting the show they were expecting the comedy and the quirkiness and that slight bit of creepy but it's a safe creepy and dale cooper's gonna save the day because of course he is and this film was not that this deals with issues of assault and incest and the loss of innocence it's it's a very very heartbreaking film but he's done and i'm gonna go ahead and call up the elephant man even though it's technically a true story but he he just he told that story so well it's a beautiful it's film. not hard to follow it doesn't fall into the category of movies really that we're talking about but it's it's sort of an honorable mention in the david lynch world that movie made me cry it was it was beautiful, beautiful film. If you haven't, if you've never seen The Elephant Man, absolutely watch it. And it's another black and white. Mm -hmm. um, but kind of moving, just moving forward in his career chronologically, Blue Velvet. Really oh was God! The next one. Oh God! Um, and you've got Agent Dale Cooper. Not really. <laughs> it's but, like young Dale Cooper, like right, before he joined the joined right. the bureau. But it's not a horror movie. It's very it's, disturbing. It's But it's just got some disturbing shit in it. And it's well shot. It's well acted. There's nothing bad about it. Dennis Hopper's terrifying. He He's out there. But he's <laughs> out there in most of the shit that he does. That's true. Um, so I guess the next one. Would be, I just want to point out that he did a movie with Nick Cage. He did Wild at Heart. We've never seen it. it. I don't know anything about that movie. I Maybe it fits it. into this. If you Maybe can't, it doesn't. If you get, guys can't find us naked lunch, find us Wild at Heart, please. Um, Mulholland Drive is another really great mind-bending film. Travis, I know that you have not seen it. Um, I've seen it several times now. It's great. Everybody knows that one scene behind the Winkies that is the inducer of nightmares. So as far as other movies that we haven't watched, I've never seen Inland Empire. I have. And I feel like that's probably one that I need to add to my list. I have. It's, it's an, God, I, I keep saying this. It's another fucking trippy-ass movie. So before we get any grief about this, I will acknowledge that Cronenberg has done more movies mm -hmm. than Lynch. 
but I'm going to get some hate. If we're talking about the quality of the movies, I feel like Lynch is superior. Absolutely. Maybe only by a small margin, but <laughs> not, damn. Not to me. I, he, he absolutely, you, you, you said masterclass, and that's, that's how it is. To me, there's art, and then there's high art, and he is absolutely the, the highest of art. He just brings it, all of it. He's the total package. Well, I think that kind of wraps up our what the fuck <laughs> movies. Uh, before we go, um, or, or before we get into questions, one more time, if there's any of these films that you are interested in, we urge you to go on YouTube, check out Spooky Rice. The The guy's hilarious, too, on top of he everything is. else. Yeah, but just be aware that there are a lot of spoilers in those reviews. Yes. So if you think, hey, I want to watch one of these movies i think i do but i'm not sure about the content but at the same time i don't want to spoil the whole thing reach out to us on social media reach out to ashley on social <laughs> media she's spooky mom and she can probably talk you through some of it without giving the movie away so if you don't want to watch a, a spoiler review on this stuff maybe say these are the things i would be concerned about and absolutely. we can let you know absolutely do it don't do it i will be there to virtually hold your hand she will <laughs> So, is it time for questions? It is now time for questions. Woohoo! All right, you go first. Me, I don't have the questions in front of me. You do. <laughs> you sent me the questions. You should have the questions. You had to have them to send them. No, our daughter has my phone right now. She's like in the throes of Roblox or some so shit right now. So, your phone is dead. <laughs> so, my phone is dead. That's probably true. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. So, in keeping with today's theme of what the fuck. <laughs> our first question comes from Karima and in order to celebrate Cronenberg's new movie let's play with some body horror what is a body part that you wouldn't mind losing uh, I'm gonna go with the toe <laughs> I'm I, so since this was not quantified as like how big this specific body part has to be I'm, I'm picking my left pinky toe <laughs> I'll, p I'll pick my right balance. <laughs> yeah. yeah just like a whole hand. I'm not ambidextrous. Like I have things that I do with my left hand. I have things <laughs> to do with my right hand. Sometimes interchangeably. <laughs> no, they're not. That's the problem. I'm not ambidextrous. Like it, it, each one is necessary for a function. And yeah. And I, I don't, I joke about peg legs, but I don't actually want one. So I'm going to pick a pinky toe. And mostly because we have personal knowledge that you can survive without at least two of your toes. Yeah, I know. I know a guy <laughs> who who lost his pinky toe and the one next to it in an unfortunate lawnmower accident. It's not unfortunate. He was being a dumbass, chops toe off. But anyway, uh, <laughs> we love you, Tom. If you're listening, and he's functioning just fine. He can only count to eight and a half. But okay, so this is Travis's brother. Yeah. <laughs> so. You can say it. I can't say it. I can it. say whatever I want. Anyway, <laughs> moving forward, what is the worst body horror moment to watch on film? And I will go first since I'll let you go first on the last one. Okay. For me, it's none of the movies we just talked about. Right. For me, it is Hellraiser 2. Uh, so the moment where they take the guy who thinks he's got bugs crawling all over him and they put him on the mattress that Julia lives in. Died on. Whatever the Died fuck on. that is. <laughs> and hand him a straight razor. Yes. And he starts freaking out and cutting himself. I still can't watch that. So Travis and I actually watched that for the first time together. We had rented it because this is when I first got into Hellraiser. And I was like, well, of course we got to watch the next one. So Travis and I said we rented it or no, we bought it. We bought it from Suncoast. And we God, I miss Suncoast. So do I. We sat down to watch that and we got to that scene. And I just remember you cringing. Like, I remember you looking at me like, what the 
fuck are you doing to me? I'm surprised you married me after that. Okay, let's not pretend that I, that's the first time I looked at you like, what the fuck, <laughs> with a movie that you had me watch. True. Because I was a horror virgin. True. Before we got together. And you were like, hey, look at all this cool stuff. And I'm like, God damn, what's wrong with you? There's nothing really cool about this. <laughs> and you still married me. So whose fault is that? I'm not vouching for my own judgment. <laughs> I've made poor decisions. This was not Aww. one of them. No, this was not one of them. This was not one of them. <laughs> Selling all my Dogecoin. Now that was a, never mind. <laughs> Moving on. So my pick is also none of the films that we were talking about. And it might be slight controversial of an answer. Although I did speak with um, a listener last week who said my pick absolutely fucking counts. So I'm going with it and I'm going to go with Robocop. The scene in particular of the assassination of Murphy. So anybody who knows that scene, in particular, the unrated version, to sit there and you know that you're fucked. They hold him down, they pin him down. Cops don't like me. I don't like cops. And then he blows his fucking hand off. And then they proceed to pump him full of lead before blowing his brains out. Oh my God, that scene is hard as fuck to watch. Red has never been more terrifying than he was in that moment. That that move that part of the movie was so fucking scary to me and then i don't know how much awareness murphy had being transformed into this cyborg they go through various stages of him kind of being self-aware so just having to live with your own body going through that it's man i i can't even imagine so that that's my pick for sure. What? How do you feel about that? I there, there's definitely that would be rough. I, that's that's a tough one. Like laying there alive while they're blowing your limbs off with shotguns, and and then potentially being conscious while you're being turned into a cyborg mm-hmm. and android. I'm not sure. I don't know definitions. Cyborg, cyborg, whatever it is. You're turned <laughs> into a half man, half robot. With Patrick Duffy for a leg. I don't know, <laughs> but. <laughs> You know, what What was the awareness level like while that was all happening? That that would be just a nightmare. So I know it's not a conventional answer, but how it affected me personally watching it. Like I said, it's like on any given day, I could go between Robocop or Predator as being my favorite film of all time. And for good reason. They don't make films like those anymore. They, they just don't. And Robocop is one that really, really affected me in a personal level. So thank you, Karima, so much for those questions. And I would like to thank Karima for not asking me any difficult questions. <laughs> Usually you get all emotional with this shit and I have to think real hard. And I would just like to say thank you for not making that my... That means she's going to give you a tough one next month. I Maybe got, two. I, you know what? I retract that. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> oh, goddamn. Okay. So next question is from Carissa. And Jonathan says, hey, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question for Pillow Talk. First, let me say I love your show, and both of you are amazing. Aw, we love you. I know that you're big Marvel and horror fans. If you could create a horror-themed superhero or villain, what would they look like? What would their power be? And what's their origin story? Okay, Carissa, I love you, girl. I'm sorry. I'm going simple AF on this. So the more I thought about it, I'm just going to go kind of like in a bright burn 
situation here. I'm thinking, what would Bruce Banner look like when he hulks out? He's he's absolutely murderous. Like, he doesn't just trash some buildings and maybe kill people on accident. Like, he actively goes out and kills people. The more pissed off he gets, the worse it gets. And let's put that Ang Lee spin on it that actually I thought was pretty cool in that movie, where the more pissed off he gets, the bigger he gets. Because you're talking about something here that would be a world-ending catastrophe. Yeah, I'm going to say that's like, unless you start expanding that universe into like Thanos and, and going outside planet Earth, like the Hulk being a psycho murderer, that's that's apocalypse right there. Yeah. So I, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't have enough imagination to create a character from scratch. I, I tried and tried and tried, believe me. But that was the thought that it kept occurring to me is what if the Hulk actually legitimately fucking ripped people apart? Well, I mean, he kind of, kind of does. They just never. You know what I mean. Yeah, they didn't really go there. Yeah, we're not talking about a feel-good Joss Whedon type of Hulk. Like. Right. Yeah. Big monster. <laughs> not that Hulk. No stairs. Hey the stairs yeah hey fuck i i i hear you buddy i hate the stairs too but i'm I'm sorry that that's my answer i i hope that's acceptable (laughs) so i kind of went the route of what would be the bloodiest goriest uh type of superhero villain that you could get and i think it's something along the lines of like a wolverine type character the backstory is kind of already there broken family abusive father sort of like Sabretooth kind of raised him sort of I think the bones are there for a really good horror movie Um, specifically because he uses blades as a weapon and he can't be killed so you might be dealing with almost a Jason like character but with a higher level of intelligence and it could be it, it really really could be terrifying I don't know that I would change a whole lot about that but I think a, a Wolverine type of character that can heal I mean I don't know maybe I'm just rehashing like a a Halloween or a Friday the 13th but I think that one of those characters or something like that with actual intelligence and and malice I feel like that's something that maybe was missing (sighs) maybe I shouldn't say that from Halloween and and the Friday the 13th series is an actual thinking character that's not just like I'm going to hit you on this day or I am I'm I'm only going to show up in this one area of the world, right? I'm only going to show up in New Jersey, uh, but a character that has an agenda that's thinking. And it's not like I'm a zombie now. No, you shoot him and the bullets come back out. You know, they heal rapidly. Speaking of people like that, Deadpool in the right hands could absolutely be scary. Yeah. So one of the, one of my favorite comics, and I don't know that even lasted that long was Chapel. Um, I think I'm trying to remember it because it's been years and years and years since I actually read Chapel. But Chapel was sort of a mercenary, used a lot of guns and sort of things. And he wasn't particularly supernatural. He's the one that killed Spawn, right? Spawn was his partner. And then he sort of had a turn where he was kind of an anti-hero Deadpool type of character, except not funny necessarily, but uh, very extremely violent. And uh, I could see something kind of along those lines. What happens when someone with uh, an enhanced healing ability and weapons basically they're born with that they can just sprout from their hands or whatever what happens when they go bad which i've always said that superman would have been the villain period if you if you if anyone was ever given that much power they're going to be the villain i just i don't have enough faith in humanity that you know that they're going to turn out to be the good guy i just don't <laughs> i always say that if i ever had superpowers i'd absolutely use them for evil <laughs> Yeah. I totally I just, would. I don't have enough faith in my fellow man to believe that. <laughs> the thing is, is that Superman's kind of too easy an answer because if Superman turned out to be a villain, then that's 
immediately the end of the world. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if you're ma- if you're talking about making a movie and you need sequels, you need someone that they can damage a little bit but not fully kill. But I would like to have o- I would always have liked to have seen more intelligence from my villains. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Freddy had sort of the intelligence, but they camped him up too much mm-hmm. um, in the later installments. And as far as Marvel, I mean, you've had villains in there where their intentions their motives made sense like i'm i'm thinking of thanos and i'm thinking of killmonger where yes they're doing horrible things but you kind of understand why they're doing it and i guess that's that was the thing like if you think about killmonger he had an agenda but he had a reason you could kind of get behind right at the same time so that that's when they become an anti-hero and i'm always a big fan of the anti-hero right spawns uh, an excellent example of that or even deadpool he's not a good i'm not <sighs> talking about necessarily ryan reynolds deadpool and i know that's what you think of i'm no, talking no, no. about more I'm of the thinking... comic books where he's not a good guy at all but yeah you kind of see where they're coming from I'm thinking of the thing that I want most in this world right now. Can somebody please, please, someone out there, make another spawn, redone, rated R to its fullest potential, and please, for the love of God, cast Yaya Abdul Mateen the second in that role. You know what? Role. I'm going to call bullshit because the guy that played Killmonger, Michael B. Jordan. There we go. Ha ha. Look at that. <laughs> I remembered a fucking name. There we go. He would make a pretty awesome spawn. That You know the mm. dude can get jacked. Yes, I do. I just think bigger wise, height wise. Have you ever seen those two guys standing next to each other? We don't know how tall they are. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I, I, after watching Candyman, Yaya seems more imposing to me. Well, I, I get that. But yeah, I think that's I think that's the route that I would go yeah. with that. Yeah. I'm sorry I didn't have a more original answer to that. I just, like I said, I lack imagination in, in everything except for my craft. <laughs> yeah. So I think the tough part about that, where I would really need to put a lot of thought into it like i'd need to spend some time with it is what would their power be and what's their origin story because obviously just chopping people up is not the most original thing in the world at all um like a johnny storm type of villain would be horrific because i can't i can't imagine anything worse than being burned alive oh god yeah you know what i mean so there's definitely other ways to go so i I probably took the easy answer um and an origin story an origin story is tough to come up with and that's kind of the reason i just cheesed and went with his because he's already got kind of a shitty backstory guy had a bad life but anyway hopefully that kind of answers your question if you would like for us to put a lot more homework into this some more stank on it then just let spooky mom know (laughs) also what is a super 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 hoover What's a vacuum cleaner movie? What? Doofy, I told you not to play with the vacuum. God damn, I know. Leave me alone while I'm cleaning my room. What's a superhero movie you would adapt into horror? I'm right gonna... now. Go. Quick. Fast. <laughs> Hurry. Do it. I'm going Spawn. I want to see that. I. That's already a horror. Not the way they've done it so far. They've done it animated. And even then, I still don't feel like it's been realized to its fullest potential. That's where I'm going. That's what I want. I want a full, bloody, rated R spawn. No fucking cheerleader moments. No fart jokes. No nothing. I want a scary ass violator. I want a fucking terrifying Al Simmons. That's what I want. That's what I want. I'm simple. We know that. (laughs) Okay. Go. I'm going off the map. It's on you. I'm going out. Okay. Like all the way, <laughs> all the way. But I'm sticking with my boy, Chris Hemsworth. Okay. Thor Ragnarok. Intriguing. God of Thunder who gives zero fucks. It's 100% vengeance. And he's got a big goddamn hammer. Okay. And I'm not talking about his dick. <laughs> you were looking at me like I was. I'm really not. I think 
think you've had a little too much of that a, huckleberry I'm there. Talking about a literal hammer. Anyway, <laughs> no, I think that would be interesting, and it would just be such a a huge contrast from what we think, what we've seen from from the movie as it stands right now. Like if you shifted that to horror, like when he goes to find the Hulk or whatever, when he ends up on the junk planet, and yeah, he kind of fights back, but not really. Mm-hmm. Like you feel like he's not really realizing his potential at that point. If mm-hmm. he'd landed on there and been like, "Fuck all of you, mm-hmm. I'm killing my way out of here." And if anybody's ever seen a perfect getaway, Chris Hemsworth is completely capable of being scary. He can be scary. Like he can he can go there. And I think I don't know. Like seeing him do that and then you give him the power of Thor and he doesn't care about who he hurts anymore. Like that could be a pretty brutal horror movie, I think. Okay. Like if you just change that over. Take take Taika out, put Sam Raimi in, tell him it's evil dead. Okay. Then you still get some um, you still get some humor. I was but gonna, you're gonna say get the we blood. kinda already got that with Doctor Strange and you weren't a huge fan. That's because it's I'm telling you, it's it's because it was Doctor Strange. I don't think it doesn't have anything to do with the actors. It doesn't have anything to do with Sam Raimi. I think I just don't care for Doctor Strange or Scarlet Witch as fictional characters. I think I just You don't. shut your whore mouth. Huh? <laughs> yeah, that's the first time you've ever complained about my whore mouth. <laughs> You just leave Wanda Maximoff out of this. Oh, no. No, no, no. Because she was being completely reasonable. No, I still love her. So, thank you, Carissa, for the question. And Thank you. We love you. I, I feel like... I feel like we both cheesed on those answers, though. I feel like we both just took the easy way out. We should give those more thought. <laughs> if we if we come up with something further, we will absolutely do a part two of that question. Yes, we How will. How about that? Yes, we will. So the I've last, saved the best one for the last. The last question, and I, <laughs> goddamn, why are you making me read this? <laughs> okay. Oh, this is a good one. So this, <laughs> this goes from Kent. Uh, all right, Travis. Thank you for making it so personal. Uh, what is my most attractive feature in your eyes? I mean, I feel like our relationship has become a little one-sided, and I just like some reciprocation. And then there's a lot of emojis. I I feel like I should have received a warning before I got this question. He told me I could not tell it to you until we sat down to record. So... Most attractive feature. I'm going to start with the beard because I like a fuzzy little man peach. <laughs> I really do. And I'm just, just going to, you know what? I'm just going to go. Can I do that? All right. So we need to meet up sometime. That's what needs to happen. Because when it does, we're going to need a bottle of scotch and a big jar of peanut butter so we can. And that's just a warm up for the. Then we're going to. While we watch Jaws and. Till the handle breaks off and. Till we get the head, the tail, the whole damn thing, and hard. hard. And I would just like to point out that I've heard all your beans, Kent. Yes, I have. I listened to him with Ashley. And you got a voice that, I don't like throwing out the phrase, panty dropper, but you probably could. <laughs> but in all seriousness Kent you have been a constant supporter of the show and a source of inspiration for Ashley and myself and just I I don't know it's it's crazy for me that I'm gonna I don't want to say stranger but you know you've got somebody that we've never met you're we've never met in person ever but you provided encouragement and ideas and inspiration for our show and for me on a personal level as I start my journey and going back to school like our son adores you like so 
I'm going to go with personality here. Seriously. Um, you're a funny guy. Like I said, I've heard your beans. I know your dirty secrets. <laughs> and and just the, the the positive feelings that you put out towards us, uh, specifically us. I guess that's that's all I got. I'm not good with words. I'm not, I can't do names, and you want me to do words. But we really can't thank you enough for all the, the encouragement that you've given us. And it's one of those things that inspires us to keep doing what we're doing. Exactly. Um, Ken, I've, I've told... Travis, like you're one of my best friends, and we are so happy to know you. Absolutely. Thank you. Really? Yes. Thank you. From the bottom of our hearts. Our shriveled, black, <laughs> hard little hearts. <laughs> and if you ever come to Texas, we're going to take you to Lazy Dog, get you a hamburger with peanut butter and jelly on it because <laughs> fuck, the it's, peanut butter again. <laughs> it's so much fucking better than you think it is. Like it sounds like it's a god awful combination, but god damn it. Yeah. It's a match made in heaven or something in a Huckleberry IPA because it's great too. I can't promise that Isabel won't pick your brain to death about dogs, but oh no, there'll be nonstop <laughs> questions about dogs, nonstop. <laughs> but I think we're going to wrap up this episode of Pillow Talk on that. Wait, no, we need to we need to advise Ken about one more thing. Oh, okay, okay. Don't come right now. <laughs> in which way do you speak? <laughs> Both. I'm speaking both in the reach around sense <laughs> and the geographical sense because it's a hundred fucking degrees oh, here God. every goddamn day. Oh God. I think we're closer to the sun in Texas. It's like an angry God that wants you to die. It's because everyone here is fucking evil. So this is I'm hell. Not, this is where all the well, demons maybe, are. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> I just know that I was dropping kegs when it was 105 outside. I thought I was going to die. I can imagine. It was bad. So... You ought to see yeah. his tan. I, you know what? I'm pretty brown right now. <laughs> I get a lot of sun. Can I wrap up now? You good? You, yeah, I'm, you, I think I got it all out. You done kissing Ken's ass now? You know what? <laughs> Kiss my ass. <laughs> but not while we're recording. I love you. I love you too. <laughs> Couple of quick announcements before we wrap this baby up. It's just been embarrassing now at this point. Um, I do want to go ahead and give our quote forecast or itinerary for July. And that is basically that we are going to continue our coverage of Camp Blood 2022. We are going to wrap up that series with Jason X at the end of the month. And then guys, that's second announcement. That's going to do it for season two of Dead and Married. You know, we're going to have to figure some shit out for next year. Well, we'll be coming back in October. Well, I get that. But if we did Camp Blood this year and we did all the Friday movies. Well, there's still a few that have left off, but you know, we'll none have that to we want to talk about. Uh, yeah, never hike alone, never hike in the snow. Well, yeah, we can effectively I guess we could bitch. do the remake. We, yeah, I would say we can effectively bitch about the remake, but I am very effective at bitching about the remake. <laughs> but yes, we will be taking a break through August and September. You know, just we got the kiddos, we gotta get back in the swing of things with school. Hopefully by that time I will be a licensed phlebotomist and EKG technician. Hopefully, keep your fingers crossed for me guys. And I'm gonna have to see what going back to work looks like. So I just want to point out that my wife has a horror podcast and she is actively pursuing a career where she stabs people with a metal object and takes their blood. I get to play with blood. <laughs> That's scary. <laughs> I think it's perfect. But, but no, in all seriousness, it's, it's it's a big deal. I'm scared. I'm nervous, but excited. So, but anyway, that's going to do it for this month's episode of Pillow Talk. I'm Ashley. And I'm Travis. Take care, guys. Bye.
Well, that's just what we call pillow talk, baby.